0: Hey, thanks Tim and Meredith for doing that for us. That's incredible. Man I- I don't know about you guys, but when he was trying to hang that L on the wall, that stressed me out just a little bit, right? Because welcome to my world. That's what I do. But man, uh, it's, so, it's so incredible to see some of the stories. One of the things that we're passionate about is people experiencing freedom and kind of living the fullness of the life that God has given them. And what we know is that for a lot of people, finances holds them back. And so, man, we just thought this was a great time to kind of lean into that as a church and for you specifically as a family and uh, to be able to just understand more about freedom you can live in, or maybe you can learn some tools that you can pass on to someone else. So we just want everybody to take advantage of this that we have uh, going on with, through Financial Peace University. And, uh, but today, man, we are in a series called The Adventure of Following Jesus. And so uh, as we get started, let me just pray for us, and I'm going to jump right in. Father, we are just grateful to be here, to have this opportunity just to hear from you, to look at your words, to understand more about what you have for our lives. Um, God, that we can walk away from here changed, transformed, feeling like you are intimately involved in every aspect of our life. So we're just grateful, God, and just teach us during this time today together. Help us to laugh, help us to learn, help us to be challenged in every single way. And God, we are so grateful that college football starts this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Uh, I knew that hit you right where you lived, right? So, um, man, we're in this series called The Adventure of Following Jesus. And what we believe and what we read about and by what we've seen in history is when people start to follow Jesus, man, it's not a spectator sport and that you began to follow him, you begin to experience new things, you began to be changed, you began to see things differently, you began to want different things, we began to move into a different way of living. But what tends to happen to people is that as you begin to follow Jesus, your, your faith begins to get institutionalized, meaning we begin to just have some rules, we begin to have a moral code, we begin to have just a code of ethics. It's just kind of something that we do. It's compartmentalized and it's not this ongoing adventure and so we believe that that God has called us up into a journey into an adventure to follow him and it should be changing us every single day you know Helen Keller said this she said life is either a daring adventure or nothing life is either a daring adventure or it's nothing now you may remember Helen Keller Um, from just studying as a kid or maybe some history books that you have uh, read. She was the first blind and deaf person to ever earn a college degree. Can you imagine being blind and deaf? Yet she looked at life as, as being an adventure. And this is what we're on now. To have an adventure... You have, there's one thing that's critical, crucial, you can't do without. If you're going to learn something, if you're going to experience something that's new, if you're going to be able to avoid the pitfalls and avoid the dangers, the one thing you have to have is a guide, right? You have to have a guide and you have to have a guide that knows what they're doing. Am I right? You have to have someone who's experienced to what you want, someone who has some knowledge about the adventure that you're on, someone who knows the pitfalls and can tell you what to avoid, someone who sees the beauty and can kind of remind you to stop and smell the roses. You need a guide. And an exceptional guide helps you to experience an adventure that's exceeding your expectations. Like when you have a a guide who's exceptional, your experience will exceed your expectations. Now there's different types of adventures. There's small adventures and there's large adventures. But we're not intended to sit on the sidelines. There is no deep satisfaction from just living vicariously through other people. There's no deep satisfaction of just watching your kids do something even though that's satisfying. There's no deep satisfaction of just watching reality TV or just watching a sports hero kind of come through, man, only when we're in the game do we really experience it because we're all created in the image of God. And because we're created in the image of God, man, he's called us and puts in us this desire to be moving and changing. Like how many of you have experienced the adventure of snow skiing? Raise your hand. Like, a lot of people. How about over here? A few people? Snow skiing. Now, now I, I didn't snow ski until I was an adult, until I was actually here, because I grew up in Mississippi. Adventure, adventures for us were like catching possums with your bare hands on the weekends, right? That's, have you ever done that, right? Anybody ever caught a possum with your bare hands, right? It's awesome. I'll show you how to do it later. Um, it explains why I only have four fingers on this hand, but hey, anyway... So I went snow skiing very first time. So one of the things that I'm all about is learning. I want somebody to teach me something, show me, because that's just how I learn. So first two days there, Debbie was with us. We took some of our uh, students to go skiing, and we were in Colorado. And uh, so we go, and first two days, it's lessons, It's learning how to do the snow plow. You know what I'm talking about. It's how you stop. It's very important. Very important. Know how you stop and a couple of other things. Learn how to fall without hurting yourself. That was another thing. Learn how to put skis on was how I started. And so I went through the first two days, man, learned how to ski, learned how to get on the lift. And then, you know, on the the third day, they kind of let you loose on your own. They kind of unleash you on the general population. So I began to ski down some of the bunny slopes they were green and I began to ski down those and then I got a little adventurous I thought I'd try a blue one of the easier blues and so after that on the fourth day was our last day there and there was a particular guy that was with us who was an expert skier and he said hey listen I got something I think you can do be a lot more exciting than the blues I'm like really like I'm all for it like I'm young and pliable maybe I won't break like like show me something and this is where he took me to this sign right here The east wall, and notice the double black diamonds right there on the side. That means you're a fool if you go on and That's what that means. Notice the word danger everywhere. So this is the east wall at A-Basin. Anybody been to A-Basin in Colorado? You've been there. East wall, right? So this is me, fourth day of skiing, have never, barely been on an easy blue, right? He takes me to the east wall. I'm oblivious. I trust him, right? He's my guide. So I follow him and we began to hike over the east wall. And there's this ridge that feels like it's one inch wide that you're moving down. And everybody else is kind of skiing across it. Hey, I take my skis off and hike across it. This is true story. As I'm, as I'm moving across it, a line of people is stacking up behind me. And I hear one of them say, what is that fool doing? Like literally behind me only to find out he was in our group and he knew who I was. So I make my way, I get to the place where you launch off, you know, and I I clip my skis in, and uh, I'm like, what do I do now? He says, point your skis downhill, bend at the knees, and hold on. I'm like, hold on to what? (laughs) He says, your life, hold on to your life. I point my skis down, I bend over, and I hold on. And next thing I know, I'm beyond 60 miles an hour. And I go by a speedometer th- uh, a measurement. It says I'm going 295 miles an hour down this hill <laughs> all by myself. And finally, I kind of flatten out into a space where I can slow down. Because I, I, all i got is a snowplow. And at 295 miles an hour, snow snowplow is crucial to losing a leg. So I wasn't about to do that. And so I kind of slowed down. Some of the guys that were on the trip with us were on the gondola going over us on the ski lift and they saw the clothes I was wearing and they knew it was me. They were like cheering me on. Way to go, whistling, all that stuff. I'm scared to death. I'm like, you may be happy, but I need to go to the restroom and change clothes. (laughs) But it was exciting, it was exhilarating and it was successful because I listened to my guide. I listened to the expert. I listened to somebody who knew what they were doing. And even though I was uncertain and even though some may have questioned my sanity, Man, it was an experience I will never forget. Now, now not all adventures feel like you're hanging on for dear life, but maybe some of you are today. Like Maybe this is kind of where you're living right now. You're just just hanging on for dear life, and you just wish there was somebody with you to help you navigate it. You need a guide. Some of you may be at a crossroads. Like, which way do I go? Left, right, straight, stops, yield, slow down. What, What is it that I do? How do I move forward? And what we know is that in life, God has given us a guide. He's given us a guide. Now, we all have a guide that we look to. It's just not always God. And some of us, your guide this morning, it's you. Man, you have kind of charted your own course. Man, you've gotten the, you've taken the steps you think you need to be successful. You've marked out in your mind what a win is, and that's the way you're moving. And you're just going through the steps that you've created for yourself. For some, for some of you, maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it was a parent, or maybe it's a spouse, or maybe it's a, a coworker. You've kind of marked out and you're following a guide. But they have no capacity to deliver you in the fullness of life you've been created to live. You see, God has given us his presence. God has given us a guide. He hasn't left us alone. We don't just have a moral code that we follow, and when we get to the end, we hope we did good. And we have someone to help us day by day, step by step, minute by minute as we go through life. And so we want to unpack what this looks like today and how can we be engaged with God on a daily basis, not weekly, not yearly, not just once in a lifetime, but on a daily basis so that I can live in the journey that he has called me to live in. So let's open our Bibles today. We're going to be in the book of John today. The book of John. John is, uh, he was a, Obviously, a close follower of Jesus. He lived. In the same time period as Jesus, he was an eyewitness to Jesus' life. You can find the words that he wrote in John chapter 16. You can go to page 526 in your paperback. Also grab your app and grab your phone look on the app. We'd love for you to read along with us. John chapter 16. And we're going to talk today about how Jesus has not left us alone, right? He has not left us as orphans. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, or sometimes he's referred to as the Spirit of Jesus. He has the words of Jesus. He is exactly like Jesus, and he is with us. And so we're going to unpack what that looks like. In some of your religious traditions, you've talked about the Holy Spirit, and you're like, oh man, this is going to get weird, aren't you? Like, you're thinking that right now. Like, are you breaking out snakes? Like, what are we going to do? And, it's, and so, man, it's, it's nothing like that. I want to completely normalize what it looks like for God to be at work in our lives each and every day. So, John chapter 16. Um, uh, One more thing before we get started. Let me just set the context of the the story that we're in right now. So Jesus' 12 disciples, man, he's called 12 to be right with him every day. So they've experienced a lot of life with Jesus. Imagine being with someone every single day for for over three years. They had left their jobs to follow him, right? They had spent countless hours around a campfire with him teaching them. They had experienced the miracles of Jesus, So last week, you may remember, we talked about the fact that Jesus took a lunchable and fed 15,000 people. Like, incredible. So imagine, most of you were at um, Verizon on Friday night for Need to Breathe. A lot of you were there, right? Imagine Jesus shows up and he feeds the entire crowd with a lunchable. That's exactly what happened. And And they got to experience that. They got to experience when there was a man who was paralyzed, couldn't walk. Since he was born, Jesus reaches down, touches him, has him get up, and he walks. Man, they were there when Jesus encountered a Samaritan woman who nobody would talk, to or talk, would talk to or encounter, and he began to speak words of life, and many people began to follow. And so they were there when Jesus corrected the religious leaders, and they'd experienced all this, and now they're in a moment at the Last Supper when Jesus has told them he's going to die. Now imagine that scene. Imagine that feeling that everything you had banked on was about to be taken away, or so you thought. And Jesus didn't want them to feel like they'd been abandoned or that they were going to be alone. And these are the words that he said. Verse 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, again, that's another name for the Holy Spirit or the spirit of Jesus. He will guide you. Let's say that word guide together. Guide you. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak And he will declare to you the things that are to come. In other words, he's going to tell you how to view the world in light of my life, death, and resurrection. This is how he's going to help you interpret your life. He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. He never points to a man. He never points to anything other than Jesus. So like if you're watching television and you see someone and it seems like everything points to them, that's probably not about Jesus. That's probably about that person. He will glorify me for he will take what's mine and declare it to you so you'll know. So we have the Holy Spirit as a guide for us. Man, each and every single day. Now, now he also describes the Holy Spirit and def- gives him a little more explanation uh, in John chapter 14, verse 16. He says this, as he goes away, he says, I'm gonna ask the Father, he will give you another helper. Another other ones, just like me. That's what that means. Another helper, just like me. The word for helper means to come alongside of. It's like a friend who comes alongside to help you in a time of need. Someone who's there with you, present with you, to, to, to serve you in every single way possible. I will give you another helper to be with you forever. So it's not just for those 12 disciples. It's for us too. Because we are part of who Jesus is speaking to. He's with us forever. Never leave us or forsake us. I will be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive because it doesn't see him or know him, you know him because he dwells with you and he will be in you. So Jesus promises this Holy Spirit. He says he will be with you, but he will also be in you. And, And this is what happens. When we began to follow Jesus... God, his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside of us. Takes up residence in our life. We are new creatures, it says. We get a new heart. And that new heart is the fact that the Holy Spirit's in charge of our heart now. He changes how we see the world. It changes how we act and the things that we go after and the things that we seek. It says you get another helper. He comes inside of us. This is why Christianity is referred to as a relationship, not just a religion, because religions are all about the institution telling you what to do. Here's the rules, follow them, and hopefully you'll come out on the other side okay. But a relationship is the fact that God is with us each and every day, every moment, every thought. And he wants to speak truth into our lives. He wants to, he wants to speak the truth of who Jesus is into every aspect of our lives. So that means he wants to speak truth into your dating. He wants to speak truth into your education. He wants to speak truth into your marriage. He wants to speak truth into your finances. He wants to speak truth into your politics. He wants to speak truth into your hobbies, into your leisure time, into your job, into your parenting, into every detail of your life and my life. God wants to speak truth into that. We have helper we have a friend we have someone who comes alongside us to speak the truth of jesus into our lives now now he says he, jesus calls him a guide calls the holy spirit a guide now, now when do you need a guide when you're going somewhere you don't need a guide to stay home you already know how to do that pretty well don't you you don't need a guide to do the same things you've been doing generally You need a guide to do something different. And there's lots of different types of guides, right? So if if you've ever traveled somewhere, maybe you wanted to know a little bit about where you were going, so you went and bought a Rick Steves book or Lonely Planet Travel Guide, and you read up. And that's certainly one type of guide. Have you ever been somewhere, maybe it was the Biltmore or, and Debbie and I, whenever we go, we do this at a minimum. You got the audio tour? You ever done that? Anybody ever done the audio tour? You with me? Tracking? And here's what an audio t- tour is. For those of you who don't know, audio means it's something you listen to. You following me? <laughs> so you, you put some headphones on, and it'll tell you, look to your left, and you will see there a statue. And you look to the left, and there's a statue. Look to your right, and there you will see. And you, it begins, it helps you to experience more of the adventure because they've been there. It's telling you exactly what to do. But you know what's better than a book? You know what's better than an audio tour? A personal guide someone who can go with you, can answer questions, can point the way, can point out dangers, and point out the nuances of what it is you're looking at. We had the fortune of going, we were able, Debbie and I were able to go to Rome a few years ago, and as we, we toured the Vatican, and we had a tour guide that took us through the Vatican, and as they point out paintings of Michelangelo and different painters, they would point out areas in the painting where there was some hidden message, and usually it was a hidden message for the Pope. And I would be like, don't you get excommunicated for that? Like, is that supposed to be there? And you would never know it was there. But history tells us because we had a guide who was with us, could point out all the nuances of everything that we experienced. And this is what we have in the Holy Spirit. We have a guide who doesn't want us to miss anything. He's everywhere present. Now, now in in church history, there's, there's a group of people called Celtic Christians. Anybody heard of Celtic Christians? Three of you. Okay, let me explain this because this part of the story is incredible. So the Celts were a nomadic tribal kind of uh, people. They lived in like Scotland, Ireland, Eastern Europe. And the Celts were famous for being one of the first to defeat the Roman army. Now the Roman army had taken over the entire entire known world at the time. And the Celts were able to defeat this well-oiled machine. And this is how they did it. They would come up to the battle lines and they would see the Roman army. And when the Roman army looked out across and they saw these Celtic warriors, what they saw were warriors who were holding a spear, a sword, face paint, and that was it. Nothing. They were completely naked. Now, I don't know about you, but someone approaching me naked is a lot scarier than someone approaching me with a sword. And these Celtic warriors would then charge the battlefield, screaming at the top of their lungs, completely naked. And they were able to defeat the Roman army. And so you had these Celts that began to be evangelized, they began to follow Jesus. They someone showed up, started with St. Patrick obviously, and began to tell them what it looked like to follow Jesus. And they did it different than the Romans who had the Roman Church and who had the institution and who looked at the church for its authority. They began the Celts realized this because they were so in tune with what God was doing everywhere, man, that God wanted to direct their steps every day personally. That they didn't have, while church was good and community is amazing, they didn't have to look to get orders from anybody else but God himself. And they began to follow him. And God is everywhere. Man, he is everywhere and wants to be involved in everything in your life. Each and every day. And so as we, he he begins to change us in a couple of ways. And there's two ways that we just want to look at today. The way that God steps in to change us and helps us to follow him. The first thing is, man, the Holy Spirit will help us to see life the way Jesus sees life. He will help us to see life <clears throat> the way that Jesus sees life. He's going to change how we see everything. One of the things that a, a good guide does is helps you to see opportunities. And, and we, we miss opportunities if we're not careful. And we, we miss them. And one of the reasons we miss them is because we're very, very busy. We're very, very distracted have you ever seen someone walking that, excuse me, <clears throat> down the hall or down the road doing this? Anybody ever see that? Watch what happens when I do this right off the stage, right? I mean, we're distracted, we're focused, we're not paying attention, and we miss out on opportunities. I mean, and God wants to just to, us to be able to begin to see the opportunities. Jesus had this amazing way of seeing things differently. Man, he would see someone. He would know immediately what was going on in their heart, their experience. He would know their backstory, story. And that changed how he treated them. When he met the Samaritan woman and found out she, he knew she'd had five husbands, and the person she was living with now wasn't her husband, he understood this littered story of brokenness in her life, man, and he spoke compassion and life into her. Man, when he met a man who'd been paralyzed, he understood what it would have been like to never have been able to walk and play with your friends, to never have been able to go outside as a young boy and look up at the blue sky. Man, he he understood that. And when we begin to see people the way Jesus sees people, this is what we'll see. We'll see people differently, and it will change our perspective. How many times have we seen someone do something that didn't seem intelligent, man, that messed up our schedule and we may have had some judgmental words to say about them. And we begin to see things differently. And we begin to see this as opportunities for us to do something different and to be changed and to live this adventure that Jesus has called us into. A lot of times i have people say this, man, I just wish God to give me a sign. I just want a sign, man. Could he just give me a sign? I mean, I don't know. Do you want a lightning bolt? Like, what do you want, right? Like, here's what God gives us. God gives us opportunities. That's your sign. That's your sign. When you have an opportunity to act and you don't, here's what the Bible says about that. The Bible says that's sin. Can you imagine? That just we have an opportunity. Our, our opportunities, that's our sign. If there's an opportunity, then God spoke. Then the Holy Spirit is moving in that. He's the one that's allowed that opportunity to open up for us. We have opportunities. And we also have promptings. You ever have that prompting, someone came to mind, you thought, I should call them, right? Haven't seen them in a while, hasn't been on your radar, and you thought, I should call them. Man, that's God's Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, just moving, right, just nudging you. You ever had that, ever had that feeling like, oh, wow, wish I wouldn't have said that. Wish that filter would have worked a little better. Or maybe your filter did work right? That's, that's God's Spirit helping change you, prompting you. Listen, we need to be a people that looks for opportunities and listens to promptings. We need to be a people that, in order, in order to see what Jesus has for us, man, we need to look for opportunities to do what He would do, and we need to listen to the promptings that He opens up in our life. And you say, well, what if I get it wrong? How, how do I know it's right? How do I know this is God and not me? Like, how do I know that this is the path that he wants me to go on? How do I know that he wants me to help this person? How do I know he wants me to call this person? Here's how you know. You do it and then watch for the results. <laughs> you know after it happens. You guys remember Moses? Anybody remember Moses? This happened to Moses. So Moses is in charge of leading 3 million complaining Jews out of slavery. Three million across the desert to get to the promised land. So God comes in a burning bush and says, hey, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. You guys may remember some of that story, Prince of Egypt and all that. And and Moses says, hey, God, let me, that's fine. How do I know, how do I know that, 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 that this is what you want me to do? Like, how do I know? He says, well, when you get there, once you do it, you'll worship me. He's like, yeah, but don't I get it? Can you tell me something before I leave? God's like, no, no tell you when you get there. And sometimes we just need to step out and we need to quit worrying about failure. We we need to quit living in fear. Man, here's the thing. When you you look at the sociological studies about regrets, there are some things you've done in your life you're going to regret. There are some things you're going to do you're going to regret. We all have them. Like, I've got them. I've got many of them and I'm reminded of them regularly by myself. But studies show that you regret things you didn't do more than things you did. So don't miss an opportunity. If you know it to be good, if you know that Jesus would do it, you need to do it. You need to call that person. You need to serve that person. You need to pay for that person. You need to give money to that person. You need to help that person. We want to be a people, number one, that sees life the way Jesus sees life. Second thing, God's Spirit will do, the Holy Spirit will do. He'll help us to see life differently, but he also will help us to seek to do the things that Jesus would do. To seek to do the things that Jesus would do. Here's the reality. Christianity is is not a spectator sport. We're not created to sit on the sidelines. We're not created to not be in the game. You know, the Holy Spirit is is what makes Christianity a verb. The Holy Spirit is what makes Christianity active. The Holy Spirit is what makes Christianity move the ball down the field to have impact and influence in our world. The Holy Spirit is what changes us. It's what makes Christianity a verb and not simply a noun. And we need to be sure that we act on the things that we should act on. And here's the truth. There are certain things you already know to act on. Like you don't really need a lot of help. Have you ever heard a Christian say this? Let me pray about that. Let me pray about that. What a cop-out. Like, seriously. Like, think about it. You probably should have already been praying about it. Like, when we interview someone for a job, and we've gone down a road, and we've had multiple interviews, and we get to the final, like, hey, we think you're the person, and they say, hey, let me pray about it. It's like, you're out, right? You should have already been praying about this, bro. That's a little harsh. It doesn't really go that way. However, I think you get the point. Like, there's some things that we're already, we don't need to pray about. We already know. You know you should love your neighbor, don't you? Like, don't you know you should love your neighbor, whoever your neighbor is? Don't you know that you should love your enemies? Like, we know that. Don't you know you're supposed to pray for those who persecute you? We know that. Don't you know you're supposed to be generous? Man, I know that. Why, why don't I do that more? Like, there are some things we just need to act on. We already know what to do. And here's the reality. The small things in life are what lead you to the bigger things. Man, if you want to hear what, if you want God to give you more promptings and more opportunities... It's in the small things. Man, we just need to take the step to do the things we already know to do. Man, and when you do what you should do, man, God will show you what to do next. Man, when you do the little things that you know you should do, you'll know what to do. Man, it happens one step at a time. And we want to be a people of action. Man, we want to be a people that believes that God's Spirit is alive in us, helping us in this journey, guiding us to take the steps He's called us to take. Man, if you don't follow the Holy Spirit, then you're going to miss out on opportunities. You're going to miss out. Recently, uh, Debbie and I had this opportunity to go and, uh, with some other pastors, and we were looking at this uh, possibility of starting some churches in Scotland. And uh, Scotland, as most people don't realize, it's considered an unreached people group at this point in history because there's really no evangelical presence there to speak of. And so while we're there, we had a couple of side trips. And so one of them was to go to Stirling, where William Wallace became famous. How many Braveheart fans in here? All right, come on, you're going to love this, right? So we go to Sterling, and there's a monument built to William Wallace. Now, William Wallace, in, he was in the culture where the average height was about 5'6", five, 5'7", five, he was 6'7", right? Massive mound, right? So 6'7 on me is about this tall. I'm really tall, right? You can't tell because I'm on the stage, but it's really tall. But what's the one thing of William Wallace's that any, any Braveheart fan would want to see? It's his sword. I want to see his sword. Maybe his Bible too. Let me say that. I'm a pastor. But his sword was what we wanted to see so we go into the monument we began to go from room to room to see everything and then we go in the room that's the sword room and as we go in the room man, we're looking around the wall and it's telling us all about the battles and all about the sword and the sword is actually like 5'6 to 5'11 it's about this high it's almost as tall as I am and we go around and read about what it's made out of and the things that he did with it and we make our way to the door and as I'm going out the door I'm like oh where's the sword I just read all about the sword but I didn't see the sword, like, do they have the sword? And somebody said, "Yes, yeah, right behind you. The sword was planted right in the middle of their room. And most people had to come back in to see it, because they got so enamored with what was going on on the outside they never saw the sword. They were distracted. Listen, if we're not careful, this is the life that we'll live. Man, we'll keep going day after day, moment after moment, with our heads down, driving, never be transformed. Always missing out, never having taken action, always wondering, like, what's next for me? How can I engage that? Why didn't I get that opportunity? We all have it. And it's the same for all of us. We all have the same Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, and He wants to guide us. Like, where have you been looking? Like, what's been guiding you? And for most people, it starts with your bank account. For most of us, and we're checking that thing daily. You got this morning, you checked. Your bank balance or your investment, even though it was the same as yesterday, because the market's not even open on Saturday. I mean, we're driven by that. It's guiding us, and not that we shouldn't pay attention to us, but it's not, it is holding us hostage, not setting us free. Hey, for some of you, it's your career and what you value as successful. Man, and you're living out of this value set that somebody else handed you, that someone else told you was important. Man, and it's not God. It's not God. Some of you are living out of, man, fear of some other person. You want them to think that you're important. Man, God thinks you're important. Jesus died for you, and he didn't leave you alone. Like, if you could identify where you spend most of your time thinking about, what you spend most of your time listening to, researching, man, that's your guide. Why wouldn't you follow the God that can truly deliver you to the fullness of life? Ultimate satisfaction. That's available to us. Let's pray together. God, we are, man, just overjoyed that you give us guidance. Don't leave us alone. Father, that you would step into our lives. You would love us so much that you gave us your presence, your Holy Spirit, man, to guide us in the ins and outs, to move us in small promptings, God, to also give us great opportunities. Lord, help us to never live in fear of messing up, but in faith of what you're going to do, God. And, Lord, for those of us, people who feel like right now they don't have a guide, man, that you would speak into their heart. And just, as, just in the stillness of the moment, heads bowed, one of the reasons you may feel like you don't have a guide is because you don't. You have a guide when you begin to follow Jesus. And the Bible teaches us that when we take a step to follow Jesus and we already in our lives around him and we commit to follow him, that immediately in that moment, His Spirit comes to reside in us, to change us, to grow us, to lead us, to guide us. And maybe that's the step for you today. I mean, you, you've been wondering, trying to do the right thing, and you can't. It, always, it never seems to turn out the way you thought. And that's because you're not following Jesus. That's step one. Maybe today's a day just in the stillness of the moment. You just need to tell Jesus, I'll follow you, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sin Forgive me for going on my own path. Man, I want to adventure with you today. And the Bible says that in that moment, in that instant, you're different. You're changed. Man, and for some of us, maybe, maybe we, we started out listening to our guide, but we got off track. Man, we heard a lot of competing voices, and we heard a lot of competing messages, a lot of different directions, a lot of different promises of what life could be like, and we believed those. They turned out to be a lie, not the truth. Man, today's a day just to reorient your life around Jesus. God, help us to see what you see and to seek what you seek. God, help us to see what you see and to seek after what you seek. God, help us to be a people that sees what you see and to seek after what you seek. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.